Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. This week was Apple's annual Worldwide Developer Conference, except this year a little bit different, hosted remotely. On our last episode, Richard and I gave predictions for what we thought might be announced in the keynote, during sessions, and in the new software released during this week. On this episode of the Smart Home Show, we'll dig into how those predictions went, as well as talk about everything HomeKit that was announced during WWDC. I'm Richard Gunther from the Digital Media Zone. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Adam Justice from ConnectSense. Hey, Adam. Hey, how are you? I am doing well. It has not been long since we've done this because we met right before WWDC, and we're today going to take a look back at WWDC, which is ending today, see how we did on our respective draft picks, and... Uh, review Apple's major home product and technology improvements. Yeah, it was a fun WWDC week. I was a little bit sad to uh, not be there in person after being there live for the last four years. It's not quite the same, but I think they did a pretty good job for uh, for what they had to work with. I think they did an amazing job, and we can talk more about that as we go forward. All right. So before we get into the show, though, we always like to open with a question. So a uh, question on this theme. Uh, Richard, what's your favorite Apple product? <laughs> That's a tough one. So I, I think that since I have had pretty much a bunch of Macs, a bunch of tablets, a bunch of phones, I think of all the things that I've used from Apple, I probably use and enjoy my iPad the most. I use that as an alternative to a laptop sometimes. I use it for entertainment purposes. I use it for reading. I have it as my second screen when I'm watching television. The thing is always with me in the house, usually with me when I'm traveling and it's rare that you see me without one unless I'm just like shopping or something. <laughs> How about you? Uh, I'm a big iPad fan as well. And especially I really like this new um, magic keyboard for the iPad Pro. I think I'm going to go with uh, AirPods Pro though. In uh, In quarantine times here, I've started carrying my AirPods Pro uh, in my pocket all the time because I don't have to carry a wallet anymore uh, and don't leave the house very much. So I don't need a wallet all the time. So my wallet pocket has been converted to an AirPods pocket and I'm using them way more. And they're just a killer, killer product. I, I've been a fan and had AirPods since they I actually thought AirPods looked really stupid. And I was on the AirPods are dumb uh, team when they were first announced. Yeah, until you get them. And then you're like, oh my God, these are amazing. 
Yeah, I heard enough. These are amazing <laughs> reviews to uh, finally get on board. And that's when they were really hard to get by. Um, thankfully, the business team at our Apple store locally, um, you know, I just slipped my request into them and they grabbed some for me. But yeah, so I got AirPods Pro for Christmas this year. And um, that's been, you know, my my go to since and uh, having that uh, sound isolation, as well as like, I really like the ability to still hear the outside world through the mics um, when walking the dog and stuff like that. That's super helpful to get that piped in. So great product. And I'm excited about the little uh, like surround sound um, audio stuff they, they announced with iOS 14 for those. So that should be cool to check out, including Dolby Atmos simulation. Yeah, I'm I'm amazed by that. I, the really the really cool thing is that they're going to be um, spatially locking the audio, which is just phenomenal. I'm very very excited about that. So, all right, well, very cool. Yeah. So, if you want to submit a question for us to open the show, you can send us a question on Twitter using the hashtag Ask Adam and Richard. Now, get into a little bit of follow up. This is your time to brag, Richard. You definitely crushed me in this draft. I totally did. And this is the first time I've won. You usually blow me away. So this time I, I think I got four of my things and I think you got one. Yeah. Yeah. So yours that you got points on were HomeKit mentioned. Yeah. So, uh, I, that, that did happen. Um, I, I just wanted to, to check something here real quickly. Let me, let's count them. With HomeKit, we open sourced HomeKit. Any accessory using HomeKit, HomeKit accessories. With HomeKit secure video, <laughs> HomeKit cameras and video doorbells, all your HomeKit enabled cameras. Okay, I won't play it again. That seven? So does that mean that I get 14 <laughs> points or is it still only worth two points? Still only worth two points. <sighs> okay. Um, so yeah, you also got HomeKit experience on an Apple TV, which we'll talk about more later. Yeah, that's very exciting too. So again, um, we thank Apple for their permission to include audio blips from the presentation. Uh, this is the announcement of that. I was cheering. And with Apple TV, you'll get a live view whenever someone rings the bell. In fact, all your HomeKit enabled cameras will be directly integrated with tvOS 14, so you can quickly bring them up in the new home view and control center. Or just ask Siri to pull up any camera at any time. You can even take any camera full screen, giving you a great view of what's going on. You know what this shows, Adam? What's that? If you wish for something long enough <laughs> and predict that it's going to happen, eventually you'll be right. I know. I think that was your 2018 prediction. So finally came true. <laughs> they got all your letters. Yeah. So your your big one you got was uh, even third party support for HomeKit on the Mac. So that was your that was your stretch one. Yeah. Now that was interesting because that was only on a slide, and I actually had to pause and go back and say, "Did I just really see that?" Nice. <laughs> And then the only sad one I got, but it's a good one, is uh, is the HomeKit enhancements to uh, HomeKit Secure Video. Yeah, and there's a lot to that. Let's play that real quickly. And in iOS 14, we're making your cameras work even harder for you. You'll be able to define activity zones that focus on the most important areas. This is great if you face a busy sidewalk and only want to be alerted when people actually walk up to your front door. Another powerful feature we're bringing to cameras is face recognition. 
HomeKit cameras and video doorbells will now provide even richer notifications, telling you who's there by leveraging the friends and family you've already tagged in your photos app. And face recognition extends to HomePod, announcing who's at the door. Really cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to... Uh, I haven't gotten a HomeKit secure video camera yet, and I think some of this stuff is uh, is going to finally make me do it, just to be able to play with some of this. Yeah, and I'm curious how much of that actually requires HomeKit secure video, or if it really just requires a camera. I'm wondering, and I haven't upgraded my Apple TV yet to find out, and I haven't tried any of this stuff in the Home app yet, but you know, through HomeBridge, I am connected to some cameras and legitimately I have the abode security system camera that I could also try. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious to, as people dig into that to find out what works through HomeBridge because, um, you know, there aren't a lot of home kit, uh, doorbells out there, but it'd be really cool if you could use somebody else's. Right. Like the one that I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. And, uh, in terms of things that were not mentioned that were in our predictions, so still no uh, HomePod Mini. Uh, still could happen later this year uh, if they do it. There's still some rumors out there. Uh, no mm-hmm. AirTags or AirTag-related uh, features. but Nothing. Again, could still happen. There's been some evidence. Yep. Uh, this one surprised me. No major updates to shortcuts. I was even the people who had the betas and stuff like that. There's really nothing new um, that I could see uh, in the HomeKit category for shortcuts. So, Yeah, and that was one of your picks. Yes, that's why yep. I was asking people about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no new product categories announced and uh, no HomeKit session. And I got a point for there being no HomeKit session. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, yes. Congratulations. Well-deserved. How many was that? That was uh, eight points, I think. Yeah, I think so. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Yeah, my my inside knowledge didn't serve me this year, so uh, maybe next year. So yeah, as we uh, as we get into the main show, though, we're gonna we're gonna dig in a little bit deeper on some of this stuff. So you want to kick that off? Yeah, let's do that. I'm really looking forward to kind of digging more into the things that they were talking about. There were a lot of themes in the, actually in everything that they were talking about. You know, our main focus here is on the stuff for the home and specifically home control and automation through HomeKit and its adjunct or adjacent technologies. But throughout, they were talking about some major themes like making everything easier to use and ensuring your privacy with things and things working better together. And just even looking at those three things, I think we saw a lot of that in the updates that they're bringing to HomeKit. And if you think about this working better together thing as an example, they didn't mention it by name, But they did mention, in fact, the way they said it was really interesting. They said that they created a consortium of companies to ensure that all this stuff was going to work together with these other vendors stuff from Apple and Amazon and Google and 
other major manufacturers, they were talking about chip. Yeah, I thought eh, maybe taking credit for it. And I thought it was interesting that they also used the phrase, you know, we even open sourced HomeKit. Yeah, not maybe, really. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing they open sourced was their um, ADK and so the stuff around that. So, you know, it is what it is. They wanted to tout that they're doing something and they're they're playing well with others and, and all that. So, uh, yeah. good that they announced that and... We'll see if by next WWDC, Chip has done anything or, or moved the bar forward. Well, I certainly hope that by this time next year that there is some movement there. And we have, at least by the end of this year, I would expect that we have a better idea of what it is. Like the approach that they're going to take and and what we can look forward to. So let's hope. Now, as far as just making things easier to use, one of the things that they announced that I think is very good. I hope it's smart. I hope there's some intelligence behind it is the ability for when you add new accessories, HomeKit would suggest automations for those new accessories. I kind of feel like now when you go into the settings for an accessory and you see suggested automations, it's just suggesting all the automations it's not in already. Yeah, there's nothing really smart about it. They're also making some changes to the home app, like a reimagined status experience. Currently, if you want your devices to appear in the status for your home, you can identify that this device is going to, like, maybe be listed as one of the home temperatures or this motion sensor might note that it detects motion on the home screen in home. This is getting confusing. HomeKit's home app home screen. But the idea is that you just kind of had this status. And the problem is that you could, I think by default, everything was in status. And I think by default, it just ended up being this big, huge mess. So they've now reimagined that graphically and they've extended it to all of the rooms. So any device that actually does show status or that might have some sort of alert to provide will appear in this new status row at the top of every page in the home app. Yeah, I think uh, I think I like what I see. Uh, I don't have any betas installed yet, but I'll be interested to play with this when I finally give in and install a beta on one of my devices. Now, they also talked about lights. So lights are going to be adopting that thing that I had talked about, the idea of having the lighting change throughout the day. They're going to, they're calling it adaptive lighting. I think the rumor had been that they might call it night shift, but it's, better named than that, luckily. <laughs> and, and it makes a little bit more sense. This is not something that just comes free for any white tunable or color bulb, though. As I understand it, the light manufacturer is going to have to do something to enable this on uh, their side. That's too bad. I could be wrong about that, but that's what the developers seem to be talking about right now. And 
if nothing else, it certainly doesn't appear in the home app yet. So it's not something that we can play with. Yeah. Well, hopefully the big ones like Hue and LifeX, I think those are the only tunable bulbs I have in my house. Hopefully those will all support it. Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, this is a really nice feature. So I'm looking forward to this. All right. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about what's going on with cameras and Apple TV and stuff like that. We'll do that on the other side of this break that we're going to take in the mm, unlikely, likely, we don't know, event that we have some sponsors this week. All right. So next up, we're going to talk about uh, camera and Apple TV. So uh, as predicted, uh, enhancements to HomeKit Secure Video. So... Uh, the first one was not something not overly complex, and, and most people that have cameras support kind of this idea of activity zones. So what this is means is, you know, you got a camera that's pointed at the front of your house. You can cordon off certain areas to say, I only really care about activity in this one area. So pretty common industry standard, draw some triangles, draw some shapes on your video feed kind of UI, but uh, a needed addition nonetheless. Yeah, I I guess, I mean, I, I guess it's needed if you're using HomeKit to alert you that there's some motion. I don't actually use HomeKit for that. So, and, and well, and the reason that I don't is because Ring already offers me the ability to define motion zones in the Ring ecosystem. I suppose if I had circle cameras or something else that did work with Apple HomeKit, then I might be more interested in this. Yeah, I think for them, their motivation is, and we saw this last year with the the router stuff as well, they want to enable it so you can go all in on HomeKit only. And they want that HomeKit-only experience to be a full-featured experience. So yep. they don't want you to have to go through a third-party or you know a, a manufacturer's app to do that. So that makes sense to me. And I think cameras especially was an area where you know prior to HomeKit Secure Video, there really wasn't a choice to do this kind of stuff without sending it to the cloud and without you know, having another company have access to that per se. So, yeah. So I think this makes some sense, um, which brings to the next interesting um, technology they announced, which is face recognition. Um, this is something that's been pretty challenging and uh, we haven't seen come to folks like Ring and stuff like that. Um, I think the Nest Cam is, you know, the biggest one that has some of these kinds of features. And what's interesting about Apple's implementation of this is if you've ever done the the whole face tagging thing in uh, in photos, either on an iOS device or a Mac, that's the data they're going to use to do face recognition. So another uh, incentive to go in and tag those photos. How smart is that? I mean, we knew that they would do this in a way that would be secure, that wouldn't freak people out about privacy. How smart is it that it's it, it, like, it, it's just automatically, 
it's not going through some database of contacts, really. It's just like, okay, here are your photos. You've called them Bob. So we're going to say, here's another Bob. Yeah. You'd be like, uh, hey, UPS guy, can I get five photos of you so I can <laughs> tag you for my camera? <laughs> I, I am really impressed by how they did this. I never would have imagined that solution. And I'm, I just think it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Now, here's a question for you. Do you think, because this is all done locally, this is not done in the cloud as far as I understand. Well, I guess it has to be done in the cloud because it's, it's getting from your, anyway, what, do you think this is from the technology that they more or less stole out from Underwise? Hmm. Oh, they bought, they bought a company to do they this? They bought a camera AI technology company. That Wise had contracted with, and that's how Wise was providing on-device person detection. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think from my understanding of this feature, it's done on iOS devices. So Apple TV, your your home hub is what's processing this stuff. Oh, okay. So that's happening on an Apple TV or a, a HomePod kind of device. Um, so yeah, I would guess. I would guess that it, there's some sort of algorithm or something that's coming down from iCloud from that photo data, and then it's using that to do that matching um, mm-hmm. on that camera stream. So, yeah, this is really interesting to me and, and definitely something I want to play with. You know, to kind of go back, I know we've talked about HomeKit Secure Video in the past, but really what this advantage is, is a device like the Nest doorbell that has a really hefty price tag to it because all of the technology to do that face recognition and all that kind of stuff is in that device. So that's where the advantage of HomeKit Secure Video is, is that they're leveraging other devices you have in your home to do that machine learning and processing. So then the the end camera doesn't need to have all that beefy hardware and cost to do that kind of activity. So that's right. really smart stuff. Yeah, that's nice. It's really nice. All right. Now into um, some of the Apple TV stuff that you were you're so excited about. Um, so there is now a live view of cameras in uh, tvOS. Um, kind of the, it's a, there's a control center in tvOS now. And kind of the crummy part about this, we learned through the HomeKit um, Slack group that we're both part of is that it's it's kind of a two-click experience. So you pull down Control Center, there's a home button there, and uh, and then you can get into these live views. Um, so write in your uh, your feedback reports and tell them you want HomeKit right in the Control Center or a quicker experience. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I think by default, when you go into the Control Center panel, you're going to expect to be on the thing that lets you switch between users. Like that's, that was the primary reason that they created that. So having to then maneuver around to get to home to look at the cameras, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised by that. What I don't like is that it's not easy to get to control center. You have to press and hold the TV button on your Apple TV remote. And I'm saying that very specifically that way because if you're someone like me who has 
instead of a remote for the Apple TV and a remote for the TV and a remote for the receiver and a remote for the whatever else, I have a Harmony. And you can't Same. just press and hold a Harmony remote and expect it to send the long press version of the native remote it controls. That's not how it works. So I can't even get to this unless I use the Apple TV remote. Step one, find your Apple TV remote <laughs> or pull out your phone and use the Apple TV remote on your phone. <laughs> well, right, right. And then I was wondering if it's possible to maybe record that action somehow on the Harmony. And I haven't investigated that at all. I'm not really sure it is. But yeah, I was a little bit frustrated by that. Tweet us if you know how to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. So then the next choice also with your Apple TV remote is to ask Siri to pull up a camera at any time. This is nice. And, you know, I actually kind of hope, you know, we've seen this a little bit on the pro side where they've rolled um, Siri into other remotes through uh, Savant and some other folks. Um, so maybe someday we'll get a Harmony remote or something that's more consumer level that allows that access to Siri so we can do this kind of stuff. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I think that I, just the ability to pull it up with Siri, I'm curious. I, I'm wondering if it would work if you spoke to Siri on your watch. Could you say, you know, pull up the whatever camera on the family room TV or something like that? That would be worth testing. Yeah. And then, of course, um, from pulling up these cameras, you can have uh, any camera in a full screen um, view on, on tvOS. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is very nice. I know. This makes me sad that Ring doesn't support this because that's mainly what I have in my house. You know, I have a, a backyard camera that's Ring. I've got a front door camera that's Ring. So it would have been nice to be able to um, play into those with... Uh, with the cameras I have already. Well, and we talked about this a little bit earlier in the picks, but one of the, you know, the thing to round all of these features out is that doorbell notification. Like they couldn't have built this integration any better as far as I was concerned, because it was everything that I wanted in HomeKit on the Apple TV. So when someone comes to the door and rings your doorbell, you're going to get a notification on your, on your Apple TV and you're going to be able to acknowledge it and bring it up if you want to. And your HomePod, if you have one, will announce who's at the door. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, yeah, we'll see. I definitely want to uh, play around with this. So I will definitely get a HomeKit secure video camera sometime this fall and uh, test some of this out. The other big one we mentioned earlier in the show was uh, Catalyst support for HomeKit. So people were kind of mad. HomeKit developers, folks like Aaron Pierce, um, were pretty frustrated last year when Catalyst finally came to the Mac. And uh, they had previously shown the Home app as an example of a Catalyst app. And then when you know uh, developers finally got their hands on it, they said, uh-uh. You can't actually build Catalyst <laughs> apps for the Mac. So right. apparently it took two years to be able to do what they could only do internally before. But now um, people can build HomeKit apps for the Mac. So this is exciting. You know, I think we all like to have the unified experience and, and lots of different 
ways to get at things. And so being able to get at that HomeKit stuff uh, from a Mac uh, is certainly exciting. And it sounds like developers like Aaron are interested in this and, and may port some of their apps to the Mac. Yeah, I think this is really cool. I, I You know, the other thing that we didn't really talk about is that one of the other improvements in the home app itself is a much better navigation mechanism. They're, they're moving to a sidebar model where you have a list of all of your different rooms kind of ever present on the screen. If you're in landscape mode on your tablet. And that also then includes the ability to jump to the home screen or jump into automations that has also been taken in the home app into the Mac version of the home app. Again, all using Catalyst. And then think about other application developers that are building iPad apps using Catalyst could then create this more traditional Mac-like sidebar type of application. I think that's really powerful. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think there's some interesting ways and i hope we certainly see some of those apps make their way to the mac i don't know that i'm going to get my widgets out of this though i don't think that catalyst supports widgets at this point yeah uh although you know i think i was going to bring up widgets as in terms of uh you know what other things are you excited about or, or think there'll be interesting things for i think just the the widget support on the iphone and ipad now i think will make people make more widgets and uh i know aaron said on on twitter that he was looking into doing some stuff with home run that he did for the for the watch to pull some of that into some of those other devices so i think it'd be interesting to have some information about your home brought front and center um to different areas of your devices yeah absolutely and actually that's so there are two things that we didn't really talk about widgets which isn't specific to HomeKit, but could potentially be at some point in time where iOS, at least on the iPhone, it isn't there on the iPad yet, but on the iPhone, you're going to be able to put widgets anywhere you want on your home screen, which is just freaking awesome. I love that. I think that's a great idea. It's constrained to certain sizes so that very much like, say, Windows 10 or even from Windows 8, you you can't make a complete mess of your desktop like you could in Android if you wanted to. So it, things are going to be consistent. Things are going to be shaped the same. They're going to be fixed to either full width or uh, half width size. And you'll be able to pretty much put them anywhere. Uh, some really nice features there. The other thing that we didn't really talk about is that some of the HomeKit stuff gets broken out a little bit more in Control Center. And I haven't had a chance to play with that a whole lot, but I think that's kind of interesting too. And I'm curious how much control we actually have over that. But for example, I see some like six of my specific home control things that I use the most, interestingly enough, right in my control center now. 
as opposed to just a home app icon. So yeah, probably using some machine learning to figure out what you use the most and then throwing it in there. Yeah, which is pretty slick. Very cool. So anything else that you just want to make sure we don't forget about from the conference before we move on? No, I think uh, good year. Obviously, I, I had the pessimistic vote that they wouldn't even say HomeKit. And uh, I was very, this is one where I was cheering against myself. I was very happy to be proven wrong. Uh, <laughs> happy to see them move the ball forward a little bit. And um, so, yeah, hopefully it'll, it'll be another good year and a good release for all things HomeKit and just got to keep inching that ball forward and make little advancements here and there. One of the things that I noticed, and I mentioned this a little bit when we started diving in, is that you could see a vision coming together for Apple in your home and and a home strategy. And in fact, that is how they approached the HomeKit stuff. Now we're going to talk about the home and home included gaming, and it included TV and entertainment, and it included home control through HomeKit. And that seems to be how they're positioning all of this with the, uh, with the air, uh, sorry, the HomePod and the Apple TV devices, as well as the, uh, HomeKit software that drives all of the automation stuff. I think it was really, I think it was smart. I think it's a good move on their part. And it suggests to me that they're starting to get a little bit more focus on how to appeal to customers with this stuff. Yeah, totally. And that leads right into our question. So we have a question from a listener, Matt, and he heard us talking in episode 184 about all of the different ecosystems. And you asked me, Adam, what I thought was the most reliable of all of them. And I said, hands down, it's HomeKit. HomeKit is most reliable for me. And uh, even with Siri being wonky normally as Siri, with HomeKit, Siri's usually very good because Siri knows your HomeKit accessories as proper nouns that it knows what to do with. So it it basically reconciles them properly and isn't trying to just match words and then see, oh, is this thing in a list of things I should control? It's it's really slick. And and so Matt asks, he says, my general take on HomeKit is as a distant third in the smart home market. Yet we're hearing more clips like what you guys were saying, that it is the most reliable and capable. So what will it take to shift market opinion? More devices? A low-cost HomePod? How do we get there? I'm curious. You're a manufacturer of HomeKit products. What do you think about this question and, and assumption? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> I think the effort it takes to add HomeKit compatibility to a product is what's held back more devices from supporting it. And that's why you see the dominance in the Amazon and, and Google ecosystems. It's because you can either add compatibility to those as an afterthought, or it's a much simpler undertaking to add support for those ecosystems. So yeah, even more devices is, is a piece of it. 
I think, you know, people want to pick an ecosystem that supports all the things they have, if they already have devices, or, you know, kind of covers all the categories that they need. You know, we were talking about my house earlier, the fact that I have ring cameras that I really wish supported HomeKit. That was a choice I made when I bought those devices. And, you know, I'm okay with it. But, you know, some people not might not be. They want one ecosystem that supports all their stuff. I think the low-cost HomePod is definitely a piece of the of the picture because, you know, there's a reason why Amazon is still the thing we shout in the house the most is because those dots were so dang cheap. You know, people kept giving them to me at conferences and stuff. <laughs> so all of a sudden I, you know, I found where we had them in a lot more rooms and, you know, to do that with home pods, you know, would require digging into my children's college funds or something like that. It just would be ridiculous if we replaced every Amazon device we have in our house with the home pod. Right. So, I think if that there was a viable option to go more all in on HomePod and on Apple, then then people might start to do it more, and I think that would would shift things. But I would also argue that you know I I don't know that they're ever really going to be able to bring up that market share. They might be okay with being third. It's you know not the absolute priority for them. You know, it's not their core, core business. And, you know, they're obviously not willing to make the trade-offs that it would take to, you know, make it as easy as those others. But I think my last thought here would be, I also think the chip uh, standard may shift things in that it will no longer be maybe as complicated or there will be more more incentive to support that format and then that will give you the everything you would need to have this across the board yeah so you pretty much covered all the things there but i i I, i was going to mention two things i think chip is going to be a big huge deal here i think chip is going to make a big difference on people being able to adopt HomeKit if they purchase a product and just know that it's going to work in any of those ecosystems. That's going to make a big, a big difference in um, people's willingness and and interest in uh, trying HomeKit as opposed to having to buy something specifically that now, if it supports HomeKit may not support other stuff and all the different badges. And it's just too confusing now. So I think that will help a lot. The other thing, and I, I honestly believe that this is the bigger issue, and you touched on this a little bit. Not issue, but the bigger point. I don't think it... So what? So what the, their third? They they sell a single-digit percentage fraction of the number of PCs or, or number of computers that other manufacturers sell. They're not the leading provider of... Phones. There are millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of other phones from other manufacturers get sold more than iPods. Not any specific manufacturer, but overall. And so they're now only a piece of that. I don't think it matters. I think Apple has a contingent of customers that know that their products are reliable and that will go to them 
consistently and continued moves to expose the like the benefits of the features that they offer you know like that thing in control panel or like stuff coming up on my TV when someone rings the doorbell those are big huge benefits that other manufacturers are only offering with if you buy this specific TV and this specific set of cameras and Apple's trying to get past all of that ironically lock in, right? They're, they're trying to make it much, much easier for people. And I think if we give it another year or two, it's going to be a very different landscape. They'll, they may still be third, but I don't think it's going to feel like they're trying to play catch up anymore. I think my last thought here too is um, privacy. If there's a shift in how we think about privacy as a society, I think that could drive a lot more adoption. You know, I had an interesting conversation with one of the other manufacturers and they said they don't support any of the uh, Amazon or Google stuff because they sell so much in Europe. In Europe, privacy is so much more, especially Germany, um, so much more important. And so if we take, if there's a shift in perception in, in North America on how important privacy is, I think that's going to wake more people up to some of this stuff and, and really show them the value. So I think, you know, Apple's going to take their stance and how they think things need to be done. And unless that's important to other people, um, they're not going to catch on. So, yeah. All right. Well, if you have a smart home question for us uh, to end the show, uh, send it our way with the hashtag ask smart home show and we'll pick a new question to include in each show. Yeah. Thanks for your question, Matt. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode. So uh, let's see, where can people find you, Adam, if they want to hear more from you? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Justice and uh, you can find everything my company is up to at connectsense.com. All right, and you can find me on Twitter at Richard Gunther, and you can find what I'm writing and other shows that I host at thedigitalmediazone.com. Our show is at smarthome.fm, and you can find our show notes and details about each episode up there. I think we should put a score on our last episode with how we did with that. Um, Yeah, we should totally do that. (laughs) Go for it. And, of course, the Smart Home Show is part of Technology.fm, which is a collection of tech-focused podcasts, including the Home Tech Show, the Food Tech Show, and my other show, Home On. You can send us feedback at feedback at smarthome.fm, and you can find us in Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and anywhere else that you find your podcasts. If you like the show, do us a favor, leave us a rating or review, but more importantly, tell a friend about the show. And thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks.